So excited to have my good friend Bridget Truxillo back on the show. Former law enforcement officer of many years, served admirably, went to law school, got her law degree, and she is the founder of Protective Wellness and Lady Law Shield, helping first responders everywhere with their legal questions, challenges. We get a little legal in this episode. Bridget Truxillo, next on the CJ Evolution Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Patrick here. Thank you for tuning in. We know you have many options, but you keep coming back to the CJ Evolution podcast. Thank you. Without you, we wouldn't be here. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. We know you're going to love the show. Long-time listener, welcome back. And special thanks to you, the criminal justice professional, wherever you are at, whatever you were doing, thank you for doing it. And remember this, you are honored, cherished, and above all, you are loved. Stay safe. You know, consistently creating new content isn't easy and it requires a lot of focus and energy. It could be hard to balance them. Too much energy and you feel amped up and ready to bounce off the walls instead of feeling dialed in. But I found this little shot that helps me. It's called Magic Mind. Instead of reaching for a second and third and fourth cup of coffee throughout my day to keep my energy levels up, now I just take this little shot every morning alongside my first cup of coffee and I'm good for the rest of the day. And I take Magic Mind because it makes me more productive and I feel more focused. I get more done in less time thanks to the nootropics inside that improve my attention, concentration, and cognition. And I totally stand behind Magic Mind because it helps me every day. And I'm pretty skeptical about products I try, but Magic Mind is the real deal. And I know it can help anyone else who struggles with lack of energy, focus, and concentration. And if you're like me, I totally recommend you go check them out at magicmind.co forward slash CJ and join a community of go-getters. You can also use my discount code CJ20 and get 40% off of your first subscription or 20% off of your first time purchase. My 40% off code doesn't last that long, so hurry up. You will not be disappointed. Magic mind. You know, 2023 is among us, and I know a lot of you are struggling with the same issues that you had in 2022. So what are you going to do about the upcoming year? Are you going to step forward and take charge of your life by getting the treatment that you need and deserve? FHE Health and their first responder program called Shatterproof is here for you. I attended this program and it saved my life. Reach out to me. I can help you. All calls are confidential. 303-960-9819. Let's make this a better year for you. Let's get you better. What makes Shatterproof a very unique program is it's one of the only programs in the country that first responders can go to that is 100% all first responders. Everybody's in pretty bad shape when they get here. And then 30 days later, when you can see the transformation and the difference in people when they've had 30 days uh, of counseling, working with therapists, working with a psychiatrist, getting the neuro treatment, doing the breath therapy that's done here. The transformation that happens with the clients is really humbling to be able to work around and see because people are getting better here. And it just shows that there's a need for the first responder community to deal with behavioral health issues and take them seriously and offer treatment to people that may need help out there. They should be afforded the ability to come get help when they need help. 
It has gotten better, but we still have a long way to go. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I'm very excited to have my friend back on the show, Bridget Trexillo. And she was been on uh, one time before. I, I think I screwed up and messed up another recording, which is why she's back. No, you did. Yes, <laughs> I'm back. Welcome, Bridget. How you doing? I'm doing great. It's always fun to chat with you, my friend. Yeah. Um, thank you for being here. Now, for those who have, I mean, obviously, I know your background. Some people that might be listening might know who you are. But for those who are listening that don't know who you are, Bridget, who are you? <laughs> What's your background? Well, do you, I, I did talk with my therapist this morning, so I can give you that version. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I did actually talk with my therapist this morning, so it's a good day. Uh, so, and I think all humans should talk to a therapist. Absolutely. We just talked about that. But anyway, uh, my name is Bridget Truxillo. I am an attorney. I am former law enforcement. Um, I was a deputy sheriff in Florida. I was um, undercover narcotics and on the SWAT team. And because I was on SWAT team, I left law enforcement to go to law school. So I've been an attorney for coming on 15 years. And my business now is I specialize in representing law enforcement and unfortunately, um, civil matters like uh, harassment, discrimination, hostile work environment. But I also advise on workers' comp issues. And lately, I'm getting more and more calls, unfortunately, on officers who have been placed on Brady Giglio lists which is a career ending, potentially career ending issue. Um, but I also am passionate about helping law enforcement on their wellness. So that's how you and I first got connected mm -hmm. is I have a wellness business called Protective Wellness. And, then, and within that, I have a course that I put together called Wellness Basic Training because I, I think many officers could use, take the time to really figure out what wellness means for them and then figure out ways to implement wellness routines into their life. So that's what wellness basic training is. Um, so yeah, I'm an attorney. I'm passionate about law enforcement wellness and I'm a mom of three kids <laughs> and the wife to a handsome husband. <laughs> I remember the last, I remember the last time. Well, I mean, glad to have you back, Bridget. I mean, the last time David, uh, your, your son, David was on the show. He made like a, yep. a cameo. Yep. Appearance. He made an appearance. Yeah. Parents was yes. like, Mom, meatloaf. It was in the summer. So <laughs> <laughs> my cute little baby boy. Just, I think he had just like woken up from a nap or something. And what movie he, is that from? I'll be very he, I'll be very surprised if you know what that movie is. I from. don't Mom. I don't meatloaf. know. That's from Wedding Crashers. Like that's Will Farrow. You know, he's living with his mom and wait, yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> I maybe would have come up with that. Yes. That's, that's a great movie. <laughs> so I so you you right. went to law school. Now, what was did you always want to be a lawyer? What was the catalyst? You got you got you okay, you left law enforcement, you did a great career, you were in SWAT, all that cool stuff. What mm -hmm. was what did you what was the aha moment where you said I want to go to law school? Because there's well, not a lot, um, there's not a lot of lawyers out there, Bridget. We need more lawyers. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If only we had as many cops as we have lawyers, we'd be in a good place. Um, so I, I chose law enforcement intentionally. Like I wanted to be in law enforcement. I wanted to be, I thought from I wanted a, from to a be young age. fed. So I went, no, um, 
Okay, so no, not at all. Uh, when I was graduating from high school, I thought I wanted to be an attorney. And that's because I had read and watched the movie, The Firm. Ooh, good movie. Um, you know, the movie is with Tom John Cruise. Grisham. John Grisham. And yeah, John Grisham, great book, good movie. And which is ridiculous because what, what you might not realize is in that movie, in that book, he's a tax attorney. And I don't want anything to do with tax. <laughs> and um, I went to law, went to college, went to University of Florida. And I, I don't remember, but something, whatever class I was in, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't want to do whatever major I needed to do to get to law school. I was like, this sucks. And so then I switched to engineering, which is crazy because I didn't really understand what that meant either. And um, a lot of math, a <laughs> lot of math and sciences. And, and then I ended up graduating, not in engineering, with horticulture. Um, but uh, I got, I got the stupid degree at that point. I just, need, I just wanted to get the stupid degree. I was already in my mid twenties. It's a long story, early twenties. And cause I got cut off by my dad. Um, and the right when I was graduating university of Florida, I realized I didn't want to work in horticulture. I didn't know what to do. And I know it's, I joke and say that I watched G.I. Jane and I thought that'd be cool. So I decided to become a cop, <laughs> but it's silly because there was something more to it. I wanted something that required me to be fit. I really liked the idea of um, helping and having a job that makes a difference. Cause even though all cops out there, you feel like what you do doesn't make a difference, but it really, it does. I mean, imagine a world without law enforcement, what we do, what you do matters. And so then when I would put, and then I was like, this is what I want to do. And then I got on narcotics and I got on SWAT and I was just, you know, working out and working just like crazy. And I loved it. And then it all went to shit. Sorry if you have to bleep this. And I literally no idea what to do with my life. And so, um, I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to be in horticulture. I wanted to be in law enforcement, but that came crashing down and, then I decided I was so aggravated with the guys I'd worked with that I was like, I'm going to go to law school and prove to you that you're stupid. And which, you know, <laughs> it's not healthy. And um, I went to law school, not really knowing what to do with it, not and not choosing it in the way that I chose law enforcement. Like I wanted to do law enforcement. I was designing my life around law enforcement. But with law school, I was like, I don't know. I guess I'll go to law school, which is dumb considering how awful law school is. But I did it's it. Expensive. And I did law school. It's expensive. And pricey. Expensive. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, it's expensive, but you know, also know it's never a bad thing to have a law degree. Oh, no. And yeah. I knew I could do it. Um, I didn't really know how crappy it would be, but it was, it was really crappy. Uh, but I also did law school in two and a half years instead of three. So I crammed it in a little bit faster because I started law school at 30 years old. So I just wanted to get the heck out and start working. So I didn't, I don't know. I just feel like I did, became an attorney, but I would say I didn't really choose it. I was just trying to find an alternative, if that makes sense. But no, now, sense. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't undo any of it. Even my emotionally and mentally challenging law enforcement experiences, because I'm better able to help law enforcement now because of all of that. So yeah. um, I'm certainly very happy. I have all the tools at my disposal now including those the, the emotional wound tools that we all absolutely you know, have so now, it help, i can help others more because of that i think now you you do a lot with law enforcement you work 
you know, as an attorney with law enforcement, you mentioned Brady. Now, yeah. can we can we dive into that a little bit? Because mm-hmm. some people, I mean, I know what Brady is, you know, being on a Brady list and and things like that. You do, obviously, some listeners probably do, but some people don't. What What is the case right. that you just cited and what are the implications of getting on a Brady list? Well, there's actually two different cases. It's the Brady case and there's a Giglio case, mm-hmm. but they're similar holdings from a court. And and the part that matters in this context is that you obviously all know cops have to be trustworthy. You, you can't lie. I mean, you can't lie. You don't have to tell people you're a cop when you're undercover. That's a lie. You don't know. Yeah, really? Yeah. You're, are you a cop? You have to tell me. No. Okay. Sell me crack. All right. Fine. And later, you were supposed to tell me you're a cop. No, I'm not <laughs> supposed to do that. Um, that's why they call it dope because you're dumb. Um, but um, so if you do something as a cop that that uh, is untrustworthy, untrustworthy, meaning you have no credibility, that you can't rely on you being a truthful witness, then an attorney, a district attorney, a state, the state level is required to disclose that to the defense. And what you, what ends up happening is, and they're not required, well, they're, they're required to disclose exculpatory evidence, things that could help the defense mm-hmm. um, do their job in defending their client. And that includes the, the state attorney is required to disclose if the any cop involved in a case did something that could bring their truthfulness into question. I get as an attorney, as a cop, I'm a rule follower. I get that it's a good thing to do because you would never want to send somebody to jail on lies. Based yeah, on lie. lies. You know, it's yeah. happened. It's horrible when it happens. But at the same time, what's happening, what has happened is that district attorneys or chiefs get involved or somebody within your agent get involved in getting you put, getting cops put on this Brady Giglio list. Once you're put on this list, the state attorney or the district attorney then sends this out to every single defense attorney in their district saying this cop is a liar. Mm-hmm. That basically means you can never be a witness, which basically means you can never bring any cases anymore. And then your agency then is like, what am I going to do with you? If you're at a, they have the option to keep you on, but what would they do with you if you can't be trusted to bring criminal charges against people? Because that's what we do as cops. And ultimately you get fired, especially if it's a small department. And so um, unfortunately it's being used when you make a district attorney mad. Uh, I, I just consult, uh, was consulting with a guy recently who ended up investigating an ADA or assistant state attorney for doing something they weren't supposed to be doing. And then the, there was some question as to how deep that went. And then the, he was the state attorney, this attorney was saying, give me the case. And he's like, I'm not going to do that because there's a conflict of interest here. He sent it to another outside agency that pissed off the district attorney. So then he put him on a Brady Giglio list and wow. found a reason to put him on it. Found a Jeez. reason. Now, which means that they should never take any of his cases. They're not taking any of his misdemeanor cases, but they are taking his felony cases because that, you know, the bigger the felony case, the more that matters to these politicians. So it's complete crap. Um, Another girl was put on this Brady Giglio list. It's a really small department, really small county district. She was put on this Brady Giglio list and the chief immediately used that to fire her. And 
it was really just a contextual reason to push her out because she's the only female in the department. It's a very small department and they wanted to get rid of her anyway. And it was obvious from the history of that she'd had for about a year. Um, you know, you run against somebody and you lose and they put you on the Brady Giglio list and then you get fired. I mean, so it's horrible. Now, is there any recourse for, for an officer? I'm sure it varies probably state by state. What the statutes say. I mean, is there any is there any recourse for an officer who lands on a on a list on a Brady list? You know, can can they go to can they is there a hearing? Can they can they appeal this? Can they can they fight to 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 keep off this list? Unfortunately, a lot of times no. Uh, which I know that means coming from an attorney, like what good are you to me? But some states, yes. The, the problem is that there is no um, there's no system there's no nationwide statewide whatever system for how it's implemented or what your recourse is once it is implemented what you're not even entitled to some type of appeal or investigation once you are on the list um i have certainly talked with people who their department took it upon themselves that once they got put on the list and rightly so internal affairs can look into it to see if it's justified you come out with it unjustified that your IA didn't find anything wrong with unfounded basically. Um, And, and then some state attorney's office will still leave your name on the list. So unfortunately, but what is happening is that states are starting to see the need to have statutes around this, this job killing list basically. And like where I live in Texas, there's a bill coming up for proposal This year, Texas only meets every odd year, so every two years. Um, So this year, thankfully, that's on the table for them to discuss. I know it was just, I think Illinois was enacted this year, um, but they haven't really had time to to deal with the enforcement end of it. Um, So it really depends state by state. Uh, And sadly enough, the smaller the area you work in, the probably the less recourse you have. Yeah, just Um, because there's no resources, probably. Right. But then, but then depending on the facts around it, I mean, so like the girl that I worked with this summer, I mean, there was some harass, you know, is that just a tool for harassment? Is it a tool for hostile work environment? So there's isn't other things. To, isn't that hard to prove though? It is hard to prove because a state attorney has qualified immunity as a available to them, just like we as cops do. And mm. it's really hard to overcome that. But really at the end of the day, what you want is to get your name off the list Sure. And unfortunately, a lot of times you have to get that only through the actual or threat of a lawsuit. Um, And can this Bridget, can this Bridget like open up um, like a Pandora's box? Say I get put on a, on a Brady list. Could could an attorney say, well, now we're going to look at this, all these other cases, these prior cases that he was involved Mm -hmm. in. But you know what I mean? Like a ripple domino effect. Okay. Since he, he's not trustworthy anymore, we're going to go back years and look at all these cases that he was involved in because maybe he did something wrong with those cases. Does that make sense? Yes. And yes, it can. Although I guess it depends on the circumstances. But right. It's a high bar. So for example, and unfortunately in the city where I live, Houston, I like Houston, but there was this Houston cop HPD um, you've all heard, you've probably heard the story where he made up, fabricated some evidence, got a search warrant. They went in the search warrant. Two people died and then ter- come to find out they never should have been in the house anyway because the guy lied about the facts he put in his sworn affidavit, just part of a search warrant. 
And then once they started looking at it, he has he's been a dirty cop for a long time. So yes, they are for that for case, that particular back case. They can at, go back. But really, they're looking at you know, like you know, um, be, uh, jail time, things like that, where. It depends. Depends, but it's, it's, it yes, it definitely criminal. can. But yeah. that would be pretty rare because yeah. that would be hard to prove. Do you? Do you? And I'm think, not saying somebody wouldn't try to do that, but it would be hard to prove for somebody trying to get that. Do you think that uh, uh, you know uh, Brady and Gig- or Giglio? Giglio. Giglio are are used for more good than they are bad, or do you think it's like anything else? I mean. You know, there, there are players in there that can use these, you know, these two cases to, to really go after somebody when there's no just cause. Or do you think I'm sure that happens, like you said, but um, do you think it's it's good to have these in place overall? I 100 percent believe that you should turn over, like I said, exculpatory evidence to the defense to allow someone to properly defend themselves. Do I think that a Brady Giglio list is necessary for that? I want to say no. And knowing what I know about the law and case law is that I would have to really go back and look at the case history to see how that evolved. And I haven't done that to understand how do we ever even get to this point? Because you are required to turn that over. We know there's dirty cops but that's by far that's a, a small, small percentage. It's a very small But there percentage. are dirty DAs, but yeah. that's also a small percentage. So when I say there are state attorneys going out there and, and using these in the wrong way, I am not suggesting that that's the majority. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, you could Google it. I mean, there's a, it, it's, it's t- unfortunately becoming too common. Um, sure. And you would know, I mean, being with no repercussions for the DA. And that that's what I think, unfortunately, would have to happen is for a DA to think I have qualified immunity. If I make a decision and litigating a case that I thought was right at the time, given the information I knew. Um, But this to me takes it out of that realm. To me, what what we've tried to argue in the past is that it's not it's not within the scope of your performance of your duties. This is outside of it. You trying to ruin a cop's career for the unjustified reasons takes you out of what it's just like with cops. Sometimes qualified immunity doesn't apply. Meaning the court has decided that you did not take the right actions given what you knew at the time, the circumstances in the moment and what you knew or should have known. That's an important legal distinction, what you knew or should have known. Um, and qualified immunity for cops is broad because cops courts have said, like, look, we're not in the moment. We're not going to second get second guess cops. We, there's no way we can. We can't put ourselves in your shoes. So we're just going to have to look at this and sure. get, like totality know, 50, of the, foot yeah. view, You're right? Totality of the circumstances. And so, but there are times where where the courts say, look, it's not qualified immunity. It doesn't apply. But what that means is the lawsuit can go forward against you. So mm-hmm. let's say you're being sued, Patrick, you got into a use of force situation and the court says, no, qualified immunity doesn't apply. What that means is your lawsuit's not dis- the lawsuit's not dismissed against you. It means it's going to go forward. It doesn't mean you're going to go to jail automatically. It just, it just means, means the suit's going to go deposition. forward. Yeah. Yeah. And then attorneys are going to have to do depositions and answer questions and maybe d- blah, blah, blah. So I think that it should, I think there should be something that the DAs are held, some type of standard they're held to, and that if it's 
that they could be investigated or that they say you can do this, but you know, somehow that it's not qualified, it's not protected actions because it is coming out that it's being done for the wrong reasons, or it is coming out that it's political or that it's sexist or that it's whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's not what it's intended for. Um, you know, I said, I'm a big stickler for the rules. I'm a big stickler. Like if you do something wrong, you should be held accountable for it. And so that's where I have a problem with the Brady Giglio list is if you're giving people this power, then there has to be accountability and there's not. So Mm -hmm. Interesting. And I don't know that it's necessary when you also have the rules that you're required to turn over the exculpatory evidence. I don't really understand. I mean, another part of Brady is that another case law is things like you can't, if you're interviewing a witness, you can't overwhelm them with too many cops in the room because then it can be like you're, you're, you're forcing a, 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 an admission that you wouldn't have gotten had they not been scared for how many cops there's, you know, there's different parts of that. And there's other case law that apply in that situation. So it's, I just, I don't think that's really what the the heart of it was about and how it's being used. Yeah. Now, what else do you, you help lawyers, you mentioned harassment or help uh, Mm -hmm. law enforcement is, is harassment Mm -hmm. still, I mean, it's always been an issue, I guess, in the workplace, not just in law enforcement agencies, but do you see a lot of that, you know, when you're, when you're talking with law enforcement and taking on cases, I mean, is that a big part of yes. it? Like harassment within agencies yes. and that could go yeah. like sexual harassment work, other workplace harassments, correct? Yes. Um, you would not believe the stupid stuff that we well, would, we've all, we both been cops. <laughs> we've heard it all. And listen, I am not talking about, I'm it's not like hurting cats. I'm not time. talking about no kidding. I mean, I've been on SWAT team. I also, yeah. I've heard all the shit and I, I, you know, so I've heard the jokes and there are some of them were like, I'm not saying like dirty jokes. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not, and that's for you to decide if somebody tells you a dirty joke that you think is offensive, do what you want to do with that. I don't say like, call me if you need help determining if that rises to the level of a lawsuit, but I'm talking about like straight up sexual harassment statements that people make in front of people and then say it twice. I mean, it's just, it's just dumb stuff that they say to women, um, you know, extra, I'm going to probably consult, have a call next week with a girl, with a guy, this guy, I mean, literally grabbed her ass in front of a bunch of people and a very harassing, like, you can't, I mean, that's He's a cop? so like saying it. Yes. To another female cop in front of a bunch of guy cops. And in fact, in that situation, the guy cops got so mad about it that they reported it before she did. And unfortunately the chief's not supporting her. So, I mean, what I can say is the bigger the agency, the more, uh, more uh, hopeful, most of the time, the better results you will get on reporting those type of things. The smaller the agency, the more chances that you'll get screwed somehow. Doesn't mean you don't have any options, but yes, I do consult with a lot of women, especially, um, on uh, harassment, mm-hmm. discrimination, hostile work environment type stuff. Um, now, when it comes to hostile work environment, I mean, is, is that hard to prove too? Or, or is it all yes. based on the evidence? It is. So like in my situation, I said, yeah, I'd get in trouble and I'd get ready to get in trouble. And I'd get in trouble. Like, and I would always be like, okay, they're right. I made a mistake. Okay, they're right. I made a mistake. Okay, they're right. I made a mistake. But at some point you start to look around and say, hold on a second. I'm the only one being treated this way. 
And there's a more technical definition of it. And call me if you really want to talk about it, because I won't bore you with anybody with it. But it, it can become so extreme that it's it's actions intended to drive someone out. And mm -hmm. it is that becomes what's more called more circumstantial evidence. You guys know it's circumstantial evidence versus direct evidence. So it's not like somebody's like says to you, I'm going to do this to you on purpose. So I'm going to force you to quit. I mean, some people do say stupid stuff like that, but other times it's that you don't have direct statements or somebody yeah, saying I'm intentionally yeah. going to do this. So you just build it and say, well, this is, you know, look at these six people and these five did it this way, but this one person did it. And you just went after and went after and went after you. Like you can't do that. And so it's hard though, because by the letter of the law or the letter of the policy, maybe there's some mistakes like with me, yeah. Did I make a mistake? Yes. Did I forget to lock a door on the SWAT man? Yes. But did what happens when my one of my SWAT guys leaves his entire car full of ammunition open in the hood for two hours? Like what would have happened if yeah. those? Yeah. yeah. So it, that's you just have to build it. And um, that's what I advise people on is what where to get started. And, you know, I get it. There's so many factors to consider. Like I keep saying the size of your department and and how long and what's happening and um you know an eeoc claim is where a lot of people can start well starting at a complaint within your department is where you start but then also an eeoc claim and then you know what are your lawsuit options and so you know who would you sue and you know it depends on who you work for as to who sure. you should sue and that kind of stuff so yes unfortunately it's still very much prevalent um, well, it would it would it would you I mean it just blows my mind not only is it inappropriate obviously you went back to the touching of the one cop to another cop, but you, you would think in this day and age where there's such a more heightened sense of uh, awareness, you know, with that, not only is it wrong, but, you know, we're constantly going through sexual harassment training and, and doing all these things per policy. Mm -hmm. You would think that people would be like, uh, I might be thinking that, but I'm not going to do that. It's, uh, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, know your audience, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, one of the things that I've been trying to educate women on, because I work, I, I work within a lot of female law enforcement groups, but this is not specific to women. It could just be somebody that they consider they, meaning. Sure, sure. Yeah, I get the, that. The good old boy network that they consider different. Um, is one of my biggest regrets. And, and I was like, I don't know if you know, Merrick Cat Castle, Merrick, I'm just going to say Merrick, so I'm going to say his last name wrong. Um, he has this new po podcast called Brownie and Blue. You should be on, by the way, if you haven't. Have you, have you been on his podcast? No, I haven't. Merrick. Oh, you Merit. should. He's a really, really great, genuine guy. Y'all yeah, would connect well. Um, and he was asking me, I was telling him my whole story. He says, do you have any regrets? And I said, no, I don't. I would still go through all of it. He, what he was at, he's like, no because I didn't report any of it. And I, that is a regret because while it would be one, one way you can look at it is, Oh, it's going to be hard. They're going to push me out. They're going to fire me. They're going to, I'm going to have to quit, blah, blah, blah. But another way to look at it is you don't know what to fix if you don't know what's broken. And if you're not reporting something that's happening, well, how could my sergeant have ever been known or been forced to change? If somebody wasn't told this is what this guy is doing to me. Um, and so number one is if you want change, you have to point out where the change needs to happen. And then number two is you got to keep that power for yourself because as tough as I was, and I was on SWAT team and did all mm -hmm. this crazy shit. 
bought crack. I mean, going into houses where people were holding guns and good Lord, but yet I never once said anything about the harassment that I was dealing with. And you just put things out there. You think, oh, they'll respect my work. Oh, they'll respect my work. Someday they'll respect my work. And at the end of the day, sometimes you just have to push the envelope in order for things to get to where they need to be. And, you know, that is, that is what I say is my biggest regret is that I should have, even when I was explicitly asked by my captain, do you have anything you would like to tell me? And I said, no, because I want them to remember me for my work, not for my complaints. But in hindsight, you, you don't know what's broken unless you know you need to fix it. So, now is it could could some for a listener out there who who might be thinking, Bridget? Okay, this this happened to me. I was in law enforcement, male, female, whatever. Um, but it happened like two years ago. Is there is there a, or three years ago or whatever? Is there a mm-hmm. statute of limitations on this? Is there like a time when you have to report it, or can you, because of various reasons, you decide not to say anything and then you exit and do something else, and then you figure. Or are you thinking, okay, this this screwed me up. I'm going to go back and, and complain. I mean, that's a long ramble, but yes, I mean, is there like it, a statute no, of limitations yeah, on that? For sure. Um, I guess it depends on the window. state, probably. It does state, like some states it's one, some states it's two, some it's four, some it's six, depending on what it is. Um, and like I said, I've practiced across the country. I've filed lawsuits in many different states. And so, um, yeah, it's very different. Um in, in general, it's two years, except for if you're going to make an EEOC claim, you have, it's a number, it's days. Um, so okay. you have a very short window and it's it's basically 180 days from the incident. Now explain um, now, what an e- that, EEO, EEO claim is really quick. EEO, for, for Equal Opportunity Employment Commission yeah. is when you can make, you have a protected, you cannot be discriminated against based upon sex, sex your creed, race, religion, your age, all that stuff. Yeah, all that. So, um, but that includes hostile work environment. You can make an EEOC claim for um, hostile work environment, and um, that, that's a so it's not that's not a lawsuit. It's not the same thing. You make a claim. They're going to notify your employer about it. There's other options. I can do. Contact me, and I can explain that if you want to know how it works. Um, but. And you do need to make an EEOC claim and you should you should before you file a lawsuit, because one of the things the EEOC claim can do is at the end, if it's they find it that it's founded, then they give you what's called a right to sue letter. You could potentially get what you want out of it. If you want money, maybe you could, it's unlikely you would get something like money out of an EEOC claim. That's more of what lawsuits are for. Um, but if you get the right to sue, then that helps your lawsuit. Because sure. um, they've already done an investigation. They've and already so, said, yeah, it's good to go. Yeah. So you do have a, t- a timeline within the EEOC. You have a statute within the state. But all, but it's never too late to make a claim within your department, especially in things like harassment, discrimination. Um, you know, maybe if you are physically assaulted or accosted somehow maybe you're you know it's 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 possible that you could be afraid of the especially as a female the person that you're you you know your supervisor whatever the situation is and that you're just waiting to not for that person to not be a threat to you anymore you can always um don't ever you should always make a claim in your department again they don't know what to fix if they don't know if it's broken now i'm not saying they're going to want to fix that. Yeah, I was going to say. I'm not saying that that's going to be easy. But what I am saying is for your own mental health, do it. Make the claim, report it, do it, 
you have to do it because like I said, I didn't. And, and that mentally and emotionally took me a long time to get over. Um, and it's that part's not worth it. Now, when you make a claim, say you, you blow the whistle and you, you make a claim against, you know, your agency, what, whatever it is, then there, then the wheels are now set in motion. Mm -hmm. uh, isn't there protections for the, you know, the people or the officer or whoever that are in place that can protect them while still on the job from any kind of repercussions? That's a great question, because one of the things that's all first also covered under EEOC is retaliation. That can also be in a lawsuit. And so let's say you've missed your 180 days and you finally report something. They cannot retaliate against you for that. And so then you say, oh, well, I reported this because I was here's why it took me so long and I was so afraid or whatever. And then with it, and then they demote you or they fire you or they whatever trans whatever something unjustified that if you can and that's not easy to prove but if you you're going to claim retaliation then you get to do that that's a, those are separate well, sometimes, claims sometimes it's not easy to prove but sometimes it is you yeah know, depending sometimes you know paper sometimes trails. they give you nice real <laughs> stupid statements in front of witnesses <laughs> that's amazing you're doing such great work out there now if people wanted to reach out to you Bridget and and, and say mm -hmm. look I want to retain you I want some advice I need because everybody always needs to talk to a lawyer at some point mm -hmm. you know especially mm -hmm. when they're in organizations and stuff like that how they how can they reach out to you mm -hmm. well, if you can go to my website um ladylawshield.com um, amazing I'm website by the way and check out her Instagram which is awesome thank you also you should follow protective wellness because I do some good wellness stuff on there um but if you want for legal stuff, go to my website. You can see on there that you can book a call with me at any time. Um, it's, we can you just jump on because it's a law firm. I got to keep track of people. So you got to put your name put, and put your state in there because then that helps me understand where you're coming from. And like I said, every state's different. And then you just book a 15 minute call with me and then we can talk through a lot. You know, sometimes I say, I've literally said, you don't need me to get this started. Let me tell you what to do. I did that just the other day. This girl needed some hey, hold on. help. You, as a lawyer, mm -hmm. you're just telling people that? I remember when I would talk to my yes. lawyer and I was going through the divorce, I hear the clicking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, listen, I've been a cop. Billable hours. My first, my first salary when I was a cop was $27,500 a year. Now, I don't know what they start at now, but I can say that's what I made. And it's probably not that much higher considering the area it's in. Sure. So I know you don't make that much money. I've been an attorney. I've been an attorney for a long time. And I know that you don't always need an attorney to get the answers you need. Or one of the things I do is say, look, this is what a lot of times I'll do just a one hour consultation. And I just charge my, my one hourly rate and I get you set up for you to get where you need to go. But then not, that's one hour. I don't, if you don't need to pay me a $5,000 retainer, if I can help you for one hour, um, I yeah. do that because I'm passionate for helping law enforcement. Um, I believe strongly that getting answers to legal questions is in and of itself a wellness tool, because if I can help you worry less or just know how to navigate something, then I'm going to help you to be happier on and off the job, help you make better decisions on the job because you're not as distracted with worry. So yeah, I can't always do that. I mean, this summer I had a call with a girl for an hour and then she ended up hiring me for, it ended up being close to 20 hours of work. Um, but a lot of times that's all you need is one hour for me. And a lot of people can afford that and yeah. I want it to be affordable. Um, and I want to help. So Amazing. that's very important to me. 
Now, if it, do, does somebody have to be in Texas, Bridget? Because say somebody's no. listening and they're in Arizona and they want to contact you. I mean, can you, can you, yeah. how does that work? I mean, because you're obviously, you're not in Arizona practicing law. Right. So do you research the Arizona law and go from there or what? Um, or are you, or, a lot of times it? it's, it's a uh, case evaluation, um, which is will happen like in that hour. And I don't need to be licensed in your state to do that. I am a licensed lawyer in four states, uh, Texas, Louisiana, Florida, and New York. Um, but even then, um, and then if it gets to the point, like you're in Arizona, I'm helping you. And if you don't have an attorney, then I can help you find that. I can sure. connect you with somebody that's, you know, hopefully law enforcement friendly. I, I always look but for you have the network states for, that. Yeah, you have the network right, for that. So. Right. You know, and I want somebody who is law enforcement friendly or somebody who, you know, it's hard to find attorneys who are ex-cops that do all the different types of legal work. But what I look for is, you know, I, that's one of the things I offer is helping and I can do it. Sometimes it requires a little bit of payment because it might take me a minute. But, um, you know, I do know attorneys across the country and Absolutely. members of associ associations with even more attorneys. And so um, sometimes all you need is a little bit of advice to get started. But sometimes you do need to actually start filing things in your state. And if I'm not licensed where you are, um, no offense, but I'm not taking another bar exam. I'm not going to do it, but I can help you find somebody who does. Um, That's I've actually taken four different bar exams, and I'm not doing another one. Jeez. Well, so what's, you know. what's, what's, uh, let me see, four, how many, what's 46 more? Come on. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> My husband joked and said that when I passed, the last one I took was Louisiana, and I, when I got the results, as I texted him, I was like, oh, my God, I passed, because state bar exams are awful. And he joked, he said, great, so when are you taking California bar exam and i texted him back i was like that's not effing funny like no because california what I've, from what i've heard is the most brutal but i they're all brutal so yeah. um Amazing. Anyway, yeah bridget trexello thank you so much my friend for those listeners out there that need a top former cop and a lawyer Bridget's information will be linked up in the show notes she's amazing got a follower on social media she does the switching gears a little bit, but you do a lot of, we talked scratch the surface about mindfulness you, with protective mm -hmm. wellness. You do tell us what you do every week really quick on Instagram. Well, every Friday morning, Friday morning, I just changed the time. I don't know if you noticed that it's now at nine 30. So I do. So I want to capture a different, I would log on different at like crowd. zero dark 30 and it would already be done. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, so I, I do live it's called neurological reset. Um, that language, I am a certified yoga for first responder instructor. Um, I'm also a yoga teacher. I've taken a, uh, I've done regular yoga certification. And then I got the extra one through yoga for first responders, because I believe that yoga is a phenomenal tool for law enforcement Absolutely. to process and really stress. I know that you believe in that too. You've done yoga, you meditate because you've meditated with me. It's great. Um, but every Friday morning I do live meditation. If you miss it, you can watch the video. I've been, I've been trying to make those a little bit shorter because I want people to, to do it. And so I give a couple of minutes of chat and then a short, um, neurological reset or meditation. Um, but every Friday I do it Absolutely. even when I'm on vacation. I do it. <laughs> well, when you're on vacation, you need to be spending time for you. Well, it was early and my kids was like, I just slipped off and did like a 10 minute meditation. So we should be doing that anyway. Stick yeah, to your, true, true. You know, stick to your routine. So Richard I don't Trixello. always exercise on vacation, but I did meditate <laughs> on vacation. Um, You're amazing, my friend. Thank you well, for so coming on. I want to 
have you back on. We can dive deep again into the mindfulness yeah. aspect of things when it comes first That'd responders. Yeah. Everything we talked about will be in the show notes, folks. Bridget, I will talk with you soon. Thanks for being on. Such an awesome show with Bridget. If you love the audio, head over to CJ Evolution Podcast YouTube channel to check out the video. Until next time, everybody, stay safe.